You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Lifelong Learning, featuring thought leaders in the field of continuing medical education. Lifelong Learning is presented in cooperation with the Alliance for CME, the International Association of CME Professionals. Here's your host, Senior Vice President of Educational Strategy for Prova Education, Lawrence Sherman, FACME, CCMEP. In the second part of our series on the physician needs of CME, we're going to continue our discussion with Dr. Robert J. Morgan, Professor of Oncology and Director of CME at the City of Hope in Duarte, California, and Dr. Jason Lazar, Associate Professor of Medicine and Director of Non-Invasive Cardiology at the State University of New York, Downstate College of Medicine. Welcome back, Drs. Lazar and Morgan. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you very much. On our last show, we really got to talking about the impact of CME and the continuum from graduate medical education and continuing medical education. And it's been a long time coming. If you think about it, the largest portion of a physician's learning life in their lifelong learning career is that continuing medical education. And it really has been left unstructured for the most part, although that could be argued a bit. And we started talking about that integration of graduate medical education into continuing medical education. Dr. Morgan, let's start with you. Do you think that the newly graduating physicians, given the changes in graduate medical education, may be more apt to participate in CME as more active participants than maybe those 10, 15, or 20 years ago? I think that one would have to get them involved in continuing medical education earlier on in the training course before they finished education, or I don't think there'll be a whole lot of difference between the previous generation and the newer generations. And the reason I say that is because physicians completing their education now, I think, have different priorities than physicians in my generation, for example, which was 20 years ago. And I think that there's a lot more stresses and pulls on their lives than there probably were 20 years ago when I completed my training. I really believe that we need to have some form of an integration, a better continuation of educational processes put together in order to achieve that. Great. Uh, Dr. Lazar, do you want to talk a little bit more about what you brought up in our last show about that continuum from graduate medical education into continuing medical education? And I really liked your analogy of the cardiology training program portfolio. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. GME advocates six core competencies, as we talked about, not just patient care and medical knowledge, but professionalism, system-based practice. In other words, things are differently, whether you're in a VA system or whatever your particular system supports in terms of particular resources, EMRs, etc. So a few years ago, there was a move to create what's called a trainee portfolio, and each one of our trainees completes this at the end of the year. It's a little bit of a cross between an annual update of a CV and some self-reflection. We have one that we use. It not only includes number of procedures performed, but number of evaluation, you know, and managements. Sometimes E&Ms for a particular lesser common medical condition, self-reflection. In other words, actually stating opportunities for self-improvement, and you know, stating goals in the future. The American College of Cardiology actually advocated turning this fellow portfolio 
into a life learning portfolio. In other words, taking some time out to critically reflect upon one's activities over the past year and to see which of those basically, you know, left opportunity for improvement in terms of what they were called on to perform, what kind of care they were called on to perform. For example, we have a large number of HIV-infected individuals, and there's clearly this focus on cardiovascular epidemiology in the HIV-infected patient. And there are, you know, a huge number of drug-drug interactions, that is cardiovascular drugs and HIV drugs. Therefore, how much does a particular practitioner working in this scenario know about the overlap between these two? Dr. Morgan last show mentioned, you know, oncology being different than cardiology. And it's interesting, there's now a group that's attempting to be assembled on, you know, whether they'll call them an oncocardiologist or cardio-oncologist. I'm not sure, but these are physicians that take care of patients that have both conditions, which when you consider that these are the two leading causes of death, probably cancer is number one. At the moment, you realize that there's a great need for these two. So accordingly, this portfolio has been you know, proposed as a life-learning and lifelong portfolio, and it underscores the need for areas of opportunity and perhaps some integration with CME activities or even being considered a CME activity in and of itself may be very appropriate. I think cardiovascular disease still beats us at this point. But having said that, from that standpoint, I completely agree with Dr. Lazar that that would be one way to take and improve the continuum between graduate education and continuing medical education because from the standpoint, from the process that Dr. Lazar is describing, can be identified gaps. And the more knowledge that's coming out about pharmacology, for example, and the more drugs that are being approved for both on the oncologic side as well as on the cardiovascular side, the more room there is for drug interactions. And frankly, the best people that know the most about this are those people that are just completing their training. And if they recognize a gap in the practices, it's likely that there are practicing physicians both on the oncologic side and the cardiology side that have that same gap in knowledge as well as gap in practice. And I think that that's one way that from a CME standpoint, gaps can be identified and and interventions can be designed to try to fix those gaps. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Lifelong Learning on ReachMD Radio XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Lawrence Sherman, and joining me to discuss what can practicing physicians say about the current state of CME is the director of CME for the City of Hope, Dr. Robert J. Morgan, and Dr. Jason Lazar, associate professor of medicine at the State University of New York, Downstate College of Medicine. Gentlemen, when I tweeted on Twitter earlier today that I was going to be hosting this show and I talked about the topic, I opened it up to the CME and medical community that happened to follow me on Twitter. I got a very interesting comment back from the person called ACME Story on Twitter. She said, We need MDs to be vested in vocal allies in lifelong learning and demand CME that aligns with healthcare innovations and quality. What do you each think about that? And uh, why don't we start with Dr. Lazar? Yeah, I think she makes a very excellent point. It's a general comment, and I think how one makes it specific to their own project, you know, their, their own practice really creates a little bit of self-reflection. I really think her statement speaks exactly to many of the things that we spoke about on the last show and in the current show. Great. Dr. Morgan? 
I would definitely agree with that. I think that there's a number of places where those types of quality initiatives are being identified, and even in terms of gap analysis, uh, one of those places is that the Joint Commission identifies what are called never events that occur, such as patient falls, the development of ulcers and whatnot. And there's a number of these types of events that occur for which more education is necessary. The other types of things that are being identified are issues that patients themselves feel that their physician should know more about. I think that if our patients are asked, well, what do you think your doctor needs to know more about? Very, very many of those patients will say communication issues. I've done sort of straw polls on this issue myself, and they'll look at communication issues, which are one of those core competencies on which actually CME is also being judged. So it's not just the graduate medical education anymore that's being judged on those core competencies, but it's also uh, continuing medical education. So I think it's important that we identify and address all of the various issues in the core competencies, which also address the quality issues. One of the places that quality issues can be identified is through quality departments of the hospitals. If the continuing medical education folks and the quality people can work together, I think that improvements in patient outcomes can be achieved. I'd like to move on to a topic that is really near and dear to my heart, and that's the importance of the new technologies in CME, whether it be webinars or smartphones, internet, the AMA point of care, CME initiative. Dr. Morgan, what are your thoughts on the role and importance of using new technologies in the delivery of CME and in all aspects of CME? I think that these new technologies need to be exploited, but I also think that physicians are extremely busy people. And one of the things that I've taken a straw poll of practicing physicians and asked, well, what do you want? And one thing they want is concise, reviews of all of the new information and whether that those types of concise reviews are delivered by webinars, by email notes that come through various companies that are able to put it together, whether they come on smartphones. I think each physician will figure out the best way for an individual to obtain the necessary information. And the other thing, speaking as a learner, one of the things that I'm on, the, I'm on the internet all the time when I get questions asked of me about new drugs, even cardiology drugs that I don't know much about, I'm on the internet all the time. And part of that is called point of care learning. And I think more of that needs to be integrated into the continuing medical education process. I think that's a great point. Dr. Lazar, what are your thoughts on that? I think that these new technologies will have to be exploited as well. I agree with everything Dr. Morgan said. I also think that physicians' needs will be ever-changing. And they may be quicker than one thinks. For example, uh, a group merges. Two different sets of practitioners come together. Instead of covering three hospitals, they cover five. A particular physician's commute to one hospital is 45 minutes to an hour. That commute, however they get there, may be filled with some CME activity. So physicians at different points in their career do a number of things. Many of them reinvent themselves. Many of them, to prevent burnout, develop new interests, new ideas, but their schedules change, and they constantly change, and their needs change as well, not only in terms of the actual subject matter, but also their availability for these clear, concise, 
messages. So I think that some acknowledgement that physicians' schedules will always be changing and they're not set in stone has to be made. And when you understand that, you realize, I don't know how many physicians are reading Kindles these days and how many are preferring the old paper book. But, you know, we're not a one homogeneous group of individuals anymore. As we wrap up here, I'm going to ask each of you to make a a concise sort of summary of where you think we could go with CME in the future and what might be next. How about Dr. Morgan? Why don't you start? I think that where we're going to wind up going with CME is we're going to have multiple new types of venues. We're going to be taking more and more advantage of the newer forms of educational interventions. I think that there's going to be more webinars. I think there's going to be more television-type webinars rather than just simply telephone-type discussions. And each physician is going to be able to take their own learning style into effect in order to take advantage of these approaches. I think it's going to be incumbent on us all as CME providers to try to continue working on demonstration of the effectiveness of our interventions. Thanks, Dr. Morgan. Dr. Lazar, your final thoughts? I think Dr. Morgan makes some excellent points. I think in addition to newer venues, newer technology, I think there's the opportunity to uh, strengthen CME with making it more of a transition and a continuum from GME. I think there lies the opportunity for a stronger linkage to various quality improvement initiatives. And therein lies the opportunity of CME to bring up the level of QI. All too often in QI, something happens because of an unusual and mitigating set of circumstances, and, you know, policy has changed because of this one unusual iota case, rather than looking at opportunities for improvement in terms of process. So I think it's integration. I also think it's an integration across various subspecialties that will really pave the future for CME. Well, we've come to the end of our second show, and I think you'd both agree we could probably go on forever. However, you each have some patients and other duties to take care of, so why don't we wrap it up? I'd like to thank my guest, Professor of Oncology and Director of CME at the City of Hope in Duarte, California, Dr. Robert J. Morgan, and Dr. Jason Lazar, Associate Professor of Medicine and Director of Non-Invasive Cardiology at the State University of New York, Downstate College of Medicine. Thanks to you both for spending time with us on two episodes of Lifelong Learning. And thank you for the opportunity to talk to you about these important issues. And thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Lifelong Learning on ReachMD on XM160, the channel for medical professionals, featuring thought leaders in the field of continuing medical education. Lifelong Learning is presented in cooperation with the Alliance for CME, the International Association of CME Professionals, and is hosted by Lawrence Sherman.